Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Family Business Today podcast, where every family business has a story to tell and a step to take to not only thrive, but working together, create a lasting family legacy. I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Larry Olson. Larry is CEO and creator of Apernio and is an international speaker, author, podcast host, and executive coach. He has years of experience working with Fortune 50 companies, championship teams, and entrepreneurs on establishing their vision and sense of purpose. Larry is passionate about providing individuals and teams quick, actionable guidance on how to break ingrained, ineffective habits that they did not even know were holding them back. Well, hello, Larry. Well, good morning, Greg. How are you doing this this fine day? You know, I'm doing better than I had to serve. Thanks for joining me for this edition of Family Business Today. I've been looking forward to hearing a lot more about how your expertise on vision and achievement can speak to our family business listeners. Right. I'm looking forward to it as well. Oh, great. Well, let's just jump right in. Larry, you are the CEO and creator creator of Apernio, an achievement acceleration company. Can you tell us more about what you do and more specifically, what is performance-driven neurology? Well, I'm more than glad to share that. Uh, first off, Apernio is, uh, is a hybrid of two terms. The aperture of a camera, we're taking pictures, is how the image gets in. And, and as we all know, through our eyes, we get images. 97% of our reality is based on what we see. And uh, NEO in Latin is for new. So Apernio stands for new perspective. It's about the ability to look at the same differently, to get a new perspective, basically. And what that means, again, is, is that I've, I've learned how to change my mind. What's really interesting about the neurology side of it is, is 99% of us think about what's ever on our mind and less than 1% know how we think. And you've probably heard that most people go through the day unconscious, which basically (laughs) means that they're reacting to situations. Right. And as we begin to store information in our brain, we start making responses based on the information we have stored not necessarily what is really being sent to us, either visually or auditorially. So we can be having a conversation with a loved one and we, have, we know who they are. So we filter everything they share with us through how we know them. And anyone who's grown up and left home knows how frustrating it can be when our parents continue to see us as that 12-year-old or 20-year-old or whatever they kind of identified us as and it's very refreshing when we're in relationships whether it be at work or at home where people recognize our own growth because we're all growing each moment that's great that's great so so what is performance driven neurology is it is that it's that part of uh, what part of the brain you're using to uh achieve the acceleration um Uh, I just want to make sure that uh, we understand that. Yes, yes. Uh, There's there's enough science. I bring enough science into the education to help people overcome their own skepticism. And when you learn that, you are storing information neurologically in the cell of your brain, never to be lost, never to be forgotten. 
And, you know, if, if they say we're getting 50,000 thoughts going through our mind in a 24 hour period of time, if you live to be 55 years of age, you've had 1 billion thoughts. And this is really rather, it sounds like a lot, but when you think of your brain having 100 billion neurons, each one capable of storing three to 5 million bits of information, you recognize that's insignificant about relative to what's possible for us, but guess what we make all our decisions based off of? Is that information that we've stored from birth up to this moment in time? And that is where people find themselves limiting what's the opportunities that are presented to them, not only in their own businesses, but in their own lives, because we, are, we like to be predictable, interestingly enough, and we, we like certainty. And so we attempt to continue to see things the same way. And that's why change is such a major fear of the human race. You know, the only change anybody likes is the one they came up with themselves. So that's the neurology side of it is the, the science behind how we think and how thinking dramatically impacts our own performance. Wow, wow. Wow, what an appropriate uh, topic uh, to be talking about in uh, uh, family uh, businesses. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we're, we've been children uh, all of our lives, and all of a sudden we become team members, and now dad or mom has to decide on when they're talking to their children, whether they're the boss or whether they're uh, the mom or dad. Well, wow, what, what great. Well, I'm excited about this. Let's jump right in. Well, okay. individuals and families I work with want to improve their family business. They always want to improve it, but they have areas where if things were different, they'd achieve more in their life and work. We're all told breaking ingrained and effective habits is a slow, hard-won process. Why is knowing how we think important in a business setting? Oh, that's a great question, Craig. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like when we hear something that's too good to be true, what do we think? You know, we, we have these little bumper sticker statements within our mind. And when we, we look at change, if somebody's told us change is hard, breaking habits is hard, well, what are we going to expect then? Because that becomes a goal for us. Whatever we say to ourselves is what we're going to witness in our lives. It's all we're going to be able to see. I'll give you an example of that. Do you have, look around for red right now. Is there any red where you are? Oh, yes. Your, oh, yes. Okay. All right. And those of, that are listening, look for red somewhere, whether you're driving or whether you're you know, in your, your home or office or whatever. Now, here's the question. Why weren't you looking for green? Because you asked me to look for red. Okay, whatever's on your mind is all you see. <laughs> Good point. So, so if I say my parents don't understand me and we could do a lot better in our business, then what am I going to hear when I share a new idea? I might hear a sigh. I might see their eyebrows rain, you know, raise. I'll pick up information that makes me right because most people would rather be right than successful. So that's called sanity, maintaining our own reality so that we can have some certainty and have some form of understanding in all of the noise and information we have in this world. So in family businesses, I, um, my CFO is my, my wife. She comes from a speech pathology background. 
And, you know, it's real easy for me to think I already know what she's going to say before she opens up her mouth. And that can be very frustrating for her not to be heard. It can be frustrating for anyone not to be heard. But unless we are transparent with one another and she says, you're not listening, and I have learned not to get defensive when I hear that, I, I, we can't get beyond it. And then we just say, well, you've always been that way. And I think the other element is, is uh, my daughter is our graphic designer. All right. And Good family she, business. Yeah. And she prefers to call me Larry rather than dad because it, it kind of breaks a line between business and you're my hmm. father. And in, with, in her mind, I believe that she doesn't get the respect that she feels she deserves for all of the things that she's learned throughout her life. She just gets to be dad's little girl. And I, and I recognize that that's just natural in any business, but the way we've overcome it is through establishing our, our vision and guiding principles. In other words, what are the values with which we're gonna live by within our business? And if one of them is respect, then not listening to somebody is not respectful. So all someone has to do instead of you're not listening to me is remember the value respect. And then since we all participated in it and it wasn't just dad or mom coming up with what the values are, there's a, a whole new reality that occurs. And I, I, as in our business, that's one of the major things we do within organizations is help them develop a frame of reference and parameters from which to do business that aren't just directed by the CEO or the owner, but developed by those that are the ones that need to live by them. And whenever you have buy-in, you have collaboration and you have engagement and you have all these wonderful things that kind of break down this whole mass resignation, mm. which now I believe they call the, re the reimagination. Mm. Um, but whatever you classify it as, we really have to be careful not to get into labels. Mm. And our brain loves labels because it's easier for it to react when it already knows what to expect. Mm. It keeps us alive that way. You know, if I hear a rustle in the, in the woods and I don't pay attention to it, you know, back in the early times, it could be my life. But when I see a friend die or I, I hear it, I almost get caught by that Bengal tiger. The next time I hear it, I react differently, don't I? Yes. So imagine a family working together. Do you think they've developed any attitudes about one another? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and unless we develop the attitude that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, that you're absolutely miraculous, and this is where the science comes into play when they learn that they're absolutely brilliant. But if I had a teacher tell me that I was slow in this or I was great in that, that information gets stored neurologically in the cell of our brain as well. And we start to get beliefs about what we're capable of and what we're not capable of. And so you, you start to see that you know, the impact of these experiences is dramatic. Attitude is probably the most telling of any of the habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations that we operate from. Mm -hmm. 
And do you have any idea, Greg, what percentage of our performance is based on our attitude? In other words, how well we're going to do is determined by our attitude? Well, the easy answer would be 50%, but it's probably more like, what, 90%? Yeah, it's 100. 100. <laughs> it, doesn't it kind of affect that it, it dictates it? it? Dictates it, okay. <laughs> and, and here's what's fascinating. We're not born with attitudes. Oh. They're learned behaviors. Wow. And so by the time a child's 10, they have over 100,000 attitudes. They can react to just about anything. And anybody who's ever been a parent can, can't help but agree with that. And yet, what's interesting is, is most people don't know how to change an attitude or they call it a habit, you know, which all are tied in together. And then they believe it's hard. So when you believe something's generally hard, you try to change it. And just a terminology, try leads to doubt, doubt leads to hesitation, hesitation leads to failure. Hmm. When you use the word try, you know you're not going to be successful to begin with, but at least you tried. Good point. So man, that's kind is... of a drink out of a fire hose oh, right there. Oh, man. Hey, listen, <laughs> that is good stuff. But you know, uh, when I'm working with family businesses on transition planning or uh, working with multiple generations in the family business, hmm. it's always this, I want it and I want it now. How does understanding our mindset drive our understanding of how we can accelerate performance and really make permanent changes to our lives and culture, and at the same time generate immediate, tangible, and measurable results? Wow, that's a great question. And, and let's get back to the power of words. When I said red, that's the only color you saw. And relative to our rods and, cone, and cones, do you know how many colors the human eye is able to see? Seven million. Wow. So how many opportunities did we miss that are right out there because of the thought that we put into our head? And an example, again, was red, for instance, or I'm slow, or I'm really good at that, or I've never liked that. Well, I've always, all of these statements now, here's, let's, you asked about, I want it now. Well, that's what's so cool about wanting. We're getting it now. Because whenever you want, you are in, in a need. You want something which makes sure that you don't have it now. So you're getting what you want by wanting. And we need to own things before we get them. My book, Get a Vision and Live It, is talks about most of us, 95% of us are looking backward and, and going into life that way. And we're looking through the rearview mirror, you know, and how did I react last time? And what was the, what's the market conditions now? And what percentage of growth could we probably expect based on the trends? And we get into all this traditional goal setting. And yet, as you said, we want tangible, significant results like yesterday. Hmm. So the, the whole reality of it is, is we've got to train how to talk to ourselves, not about what we want, but if I say I want to be a better listener, what am I saying about my ability to listen now? Hmm. Now, if I say I am an excellent listener, I hang on their every word, then I am going to do that because this is called cognitive dissonance. You can't think of a sad thought and smile any more than you can think of a 
happy thought and frown. You've got to be in congruence. You and I need to be line up in balance or we're in chaos and we don't last very long that way. We break down, we get stressed out. You know, we get in a hurry. We can't wait. Why can't it happen already? How long is this going to take? And that's when people think that they know the only moment that we have in life to accomplish anything. Most people would answer, when is that moment? That's the only moment in life that we have to accomplish anything. What do most people tell you? Now. Now. Most misunderstood concept on the planet. Most people are working on trying to be present while thinking of other things. You know, the people that are listening to us have gone in a lot of different directions, not necessarily based on what we're sharing. So are they listening or are they hearing what we have to say? Now, if you want fast results in your organization, then once define what those results are and then start living the life like those results are occurring now. And that's over 45 years of my research and experience that I'm sharing in that one little concept right there. And people can understand it intellectually, but they have difficulty applying it. Mm -hmm. And but they don't have difficulty knowing that they're going to get together with the Johnsons on Saturday night and what they're going to do and how much fun they're going to have. And well, why don't we ask the Collins to go with us? Oh, no, they don't talk much. And they're, you know, they're kind of negative. And so we already have this expectation and goal set up in Saturday night. And we're not surprised when Saturday comes and it goes pretty much as we expected. And that's how people live their life, Greg. They wake up in the morning and they already know how it's going to go, but they hope that other things will happen. Like we'll get that 50% growth or we'll make that transition smooth, you know, or we'll, you know, balance our checkbook or whatever the case may be. And when we learn how our brain operates instead of how we were taught to operate, which was our whole school system. And I'm not putting down our school system. I'm just saying it was regulated to produce a particular outcome. And it gave an expectation that I can't get into the fourth grade until I finish the third. So we spend this whole life realizing that it's going to happen. Once I graduate, as soon as I get married, once the children leave the house, whatever the case may be, we're always out there instead of living the reality that once was only an imagining. And that means living your vision now. And it's really easy to do. And it takes all the cortisol out of your system, which is the biggest cause of death in America today, which is heart disease, mm. because we're not stressed out. We're enjoying ourselves because we know we've accomplished and what's interesting, it doesn't take the edge off because people say, well, if I, if I enjoy myself and I, I feel like I've accomplished it, then I'll lose all this drive and energy to keep going. That's another illusion that I'm going to back down. You're in no danger of backing down and let, you know, if you're a driven human being, right. If, right. if you're not driven, you're always backing down. Well, let's, let's, 
uh, go a little bit further. You know, we say that there's no business like family business, and and certainly the issues that uh, you talk about are a lot of the common issues, not only for family businesses, but for 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 all businesses. Are there any common strengths that famous family businesses bring to the table when it comes to uh, 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 finding solutions to this? Well, I think it. Let me ask you this. When you care about something, do you value it? Oh, sure. Do you, do you treat it differently than something you don't care about? Oh, sure. Okay. Does anybody have to tell you that you care about it or not? Or is that something you know? Well, I, I know, but it's nice to hear somebody say something about it. <laughs> well, it's nice to be cared about, right? <laughs> it's nice to hear somebody say, I love you, or I appreciate you, or thank you, you for bet. the great job you did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You bet. You bet. And, and so one of the best elements that comes into play that most corporations, which have a lot of different families, members within that company, but it's not the family. Is, is that we have this undying love for one another. Even on our worst day, even in our biggest argument, we care about the people that we're working with. Now, if we would just focus on that instead of trying to be right, we would be able to hear ideas. And if you are able to hear an idea, that's all most people need. They don't need you to agree with it. They just need you to, to know that you listened to it. Now they've got their, oh, okay, they heard me. Now they're open to tweaks and, oh, you know, we could do that, but what if this happens? Oh, geez, I hadn't thought about that. Instead of, well, that's not gonna happen or a raise of an eyebrow. I mean, you love these people for crying out loud. Mm. And if you don't, then why did you start a business together? You know, <laughs> well, I didn't wanna work my whole life. Well, just make sure that your other participants really want to be involved in this and they're just not doing it to please you or you're always going to have frustration. Find out what they're excited about within the business and make sure that they have the opportunity to participate in that because your controller may want to get into sales. And even though you know that, well, this just doesn't seem outgoing enough and I don't mean to stereotype, but that's what happens sometimes. Yeah is we start stereotyping people. Well, I know who you are, I know what you're capable of. And so that's what's so important about the work that you do, Greg, is you, is you help find out what do these people want? And then you're able to look at, well, how are they behaving now? Well, when they recognize that I'm in no danger of getting what I want if I keep behaving like this, you know, if I have to have a shot of tequila every night before dinner, but I can't understand why my weight's not dropping, mm. Well, what's your goal? And then you, you know, well, I really want to be in shape. And this is what's so important about envisioning is we got to peel the onion. We got to get down to the why. You got to get down what's the purpose and you wanting to be, you know, be in shape to begin with. And we can't argue with their answer because it could be, well, to be better liked by by people to be attractive because I want a partner or it could be that, you know, I want to, I want to have more energy so that I can stay with my kids. Whenever we hear, we need to peel the onion and ask why that's important because most people are really superficial, even with themselves on why they're doing what they're doing. 
because nobody's ever asked enough questions for them to really find out why they're really doing what they're doing. And when they do, that's the intrinsic motivator. That's the ultimate driver of their behavior. And that's what we all want to get to is why does my son keep showing up every day here at work? Is it because what I believe is the reason behind it? Or have I sat down, had a conversation and found out? And when I get an answer, instead of saying, yeah, I, I knew that was what he was going to say, I ask about the answer. Hmm. And, and you'll be just absolutely delighted and amazed and watch what happens to performance when people are feeling understood instead of they have a role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, right? It's more than a job description, yeah. Yeah, it's our life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as uh, leaders uh, of our family business, uh, you know, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Uh, it's the same way with the Amen. family and the business. It's really, really something else. Well, let's let's change directions just a little bit. Sure. I, we're all uh, uh, you know, COVID tired right now. And, mm -hmm. and certainly from all of us, including myself and yourself, uh, our businesses have been disrupted uh, uh, in really unprecedented ways in any of our lifetimes. What communication recommendations do you have for family businesses that have transitioned their network, their business from an in-person to a virtual during the pandemic? Um, I think it's, it, it needs to be embraced. I think sometimes we feel zoomed out. We, we've got all yeah. new terminology, right? And so again, like the color red, we're, we're not even allowing ourselves to enjoy the new medium. I know my business ended basically um, on March 11th and I was involved in a four-year contract and I had set up a university within a corporation and was rocking and rolling and then bam, nobody could get together anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I had to, I had to get really creative. And then when I, I got on, started Zoom, I didn't understand it well. You know, I, I didn't realize you needed a better mic. I needed lights if I wanted to be, what kind of camera. And all of these things were new. And, you know, it's, it's the unknown that creates discomfort. And, and so how do, you, how do you make the unknown known? Well, I first started to, had to change my mind and say, you know what? I'm going to enjoy Zoom. I'm going to find that I have never enjoyed myself as much with this new reality. And that became my color red. And then I had to look for reasons to, to justify that. And I had to kind of get a kick out of myself when I was frustrated with the technology. And instead of finding fault with it so I could be right that this is going to be a difficult transition, right? That became right. my mantra. Oh my God, why couldn't things stay the same? You know, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're, we're our brain, that's our brain doing its best to keep us safe. And sometimes safety is withdrawing. And so I have to recognize that, understanding how I think, and now decide how do I want to be during this? And that's where, you know, the circumstance is what most people find themselves creating the emotion and triggering the buttons. And when in reality, the, um, or triggering the emotions, the reality is, 
is that circumstance is the stance you take within the circle you find yourself in. That's the essence of that term. And so if, if my, my stance is to have the time of my life right now, that's my stance. And my, my, my backup position is to make sure whatever I do brings out the best in others. And when I live off of those two fundamentals, and I already believe in the, in the miraculousness of the human race, because I've studied it enough to know that just being born is more difficult than winning the lottery. Mm. And the gift we got was life, and we're all living it now. And so we should be joyous, even though, you know, I lost my, my dog not too long ago, and I thought it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life, but I'm, but I'm grieved heavily. And I cried hard and I wasn't going to try to miss any opportunity just because in the past I'd tainted it good or bad because life is to be lived and it's to be loved and enjoyed with one another. And if we're in a family business, my golly gee wizards, this, this is our blood. And sometimes we can love so much that we, we don't listen to people any longer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's where you come into play and people listening to this get a little different perspective. And the, and the good news is we don't get into the blame or shame game. We didn't know any better. But as we start to know better, we can start changing our behavior. And that's when results start to happen darn near immediately. Wow. Well, I am looking forward uh, to reading your uh, a book, get a vision and live it. I, I'm sure that a lot of the things that you've been talking about today are in that. But right now, could you tell us a little bit about your motivation to write the book and what our <laughs> listeners might gain uh, from reading the book? Well, thank you. I very much appreciate that. That's very generous of you. I um, Several years ago, I had just finished up a, a seminar in a guy had come up to me and said, Larry, I've read your book and I've been through all your programs and, and uh, my whole life has changed. I've become a leader in my company. I've got a great family. I've, I've changed how I raise my children. And, and what are you going to do with all this information when you're gone? You know, and I, you know, I said, thank you, because you get a lot of people that say thank you, especially when they've seen a change occur immediately within their lives, just from changing their perspective. And, and as I thought more about it, I realized that all of this work that I've done has, you know, and, and started out, by the way, with a sister that was three years older than I was. And when my parents saw me pushing her in the stroller, they knew something was wrong with this picture. And um, they went and they had her tested. And back in those, the day, they labeled her mentally retarded. And they call it differently abled and gifted now and a multitude of other much more positive opportunistic terms. But I was brought up looking at things differently. I, I couldn't understand why people could be so cruel and mean-spirited to make fun of fun of people that that were suffering or had had a disability of some sorts. And so I, I started reading at a very young age and I started learning about how we think and how thinking affects performance, how our brain operates and and I started realizing that I stopped being angry at people and recognized they just don't know any better. And so the book is, uh, entails, you know, geez, that was, that was back in the, in the 
40s when I had this realization with my sister and, and I wasn't really conscious of it at the time, as you can imagine. And then, and then it got into the 60s when I was in a laundromat in, in college and there was a book sitting there called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And, and it was just a, a fat, quick little story of a woman who had a nose job and he had botched it because he was a plastic surgeon. And he didn't want to take the bandages off because he, he knew how disappointed she was going to be. So he put it off as long as he could. And finally, she said, can we get the band-aids off? It's been weeks. And, and so he did. He took the band-aids off. He was appalled. And uh, she said, can I have a mirror? He gave her a mirror and she looked in it and she said, I'm beautiful. And it was just that whole concept of how, how we can see so much differently than how other people see. Wow. And just because we see things one way doesn't mean anybody else does. And that's why it's so important to learn how we think and learn how we need to listen to understand rather than as that old adage being understood. And if anybody, you know, wants to be number one in some person's mind, they need to make themselves second to that person. And then in that person's mind, they're number one. Yeah. And it's, it's just some of these, this little common sense that sometimes is, is become uncommon as you, as you know, and Oh yeah. that's how the book came about. Well, I am looking forward uh, to, uh, picking up a copy of it, reading it, and, and also sharing it and your concepts uh, with our, our uh, family businesses uh, that I work with every day. Hey, so we're coming toward the end of our, our time together. So what does the future look like for Larry? Some of those projects that COVID sort of stopped over, are you going to restart those? Or is there some new adventure that you're going to be headed on? Well, we, we set up an, a new podcast uh, at the Mindset Playbook, and, um, you know, we're getting towards 100, which is kind of my milestone to do 100 podcasts, mm -hmm. which that was created as a pod. And then we did a new one called The Great Automotive Experience, and as a result of that, it's turned into opening up to new clients. They got comfortable with me in the podcast, <laughs> and, and then I you know, they started to realize what I was doing and they saw the value of bringing me into their organization. So that was, um, that was exciting. Um, but it's been, you know, it's, I've had to keep this vision alive for over two years yeah. on knowing that wonderful things are going to happen. And, you know, we, we've got to stop looking for evidence for crying out loud, because the only evidence we'll see sometimes is that which isn't taking place for us. Yeah. Instead of holding on to that vision and making sure that we continue that that race and you know, uh, man's search for meaning by Frankel. You know, I, I mean, my my challenges were nothing compared to what he went through. So I uh, I know that that my little blip in the radar is is just my impatience and not that the vision isn't powerful and and keep holding it. And you know, I don't know if people will remember this, but when they when they go to Amazon to get the book, uh, there's another company selling it. And I, I'm not sure where they're getting the book, but um, if they go in a little deeper and find out that it's sold by a Pernio, uh, we're the ones that wrote it and directed it. And then and, and apparently early in the day, any company could sell it. And, um, and so, that would be wonderful if they if they'd go that route. If not, it, it's not doesn't matter 
as long as they get the information. Okay. Well, thank you. I will make sure that I go that route. All right, buddy. Any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners today before we sign off? Yeah, I, I would just like to say that take some time to value yourself. Take a moment to recognize that, you know, you are, you're an incredible human being, not by what you've accomplished, but by who you are. And who you are is far more miraculous than any of us will ever give ourselves credit for. And, you know, if you want to find out how much you value yourself, ask how good you are at accepting compliments. Hmm. And if you're someone who goes, oh, no, geez, shucks, whiz, golly, you know, um, next time you're at, at, you know, at a celebration and someone gives you a gift, tear it up and throw it back in their face. Because that's what you do when someone gives you a compliment and you don't say thank you. And so give yourself a compliment for being able to open your eyes in the morning and being able to move towards having the life that you've always wanted and continue to challenge yourself to always strive for that better version of you. And that is probably the ultimate vision and the ultimate gift we can give to others is to be the best version of ourselves. And, um, you know, you have got a great heart, Greg, and I can, I can hear it in your voice and your questions and anybody that gets to work with you is blessed. And I thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, Larry, thank you for your kind remarks and for being uh, my guest on Family Business Today. I know our listeners are really going to get a lot out of this, and I would really encourage them to pick up a copy of Get a Vision and Live Live It at Amazon.com. And to learn more about Larry and his podcast, uh, The Mindset Playbook, uh, at www.LarryOlsonLive.com. Beautiful. Thank you for throwing that out there. I appreciate it. You're welcome. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Day podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families create a positive environment where the family thrives, the business performs, and working together create a lasting family legacy. Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business or you're wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business advisor about your specific family business needs, schedule a 30-minute no-cost call by sending us an email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, we will listen. So until next time, thanks for joining us.